Has there ever been better advice given than turn your eyes upon Jesus? I mean, it's a simple song. It's a great song, but it's also some of the best advice you could ever follow, especially when you're looking toward a new year. I guess that should have said it's almost a new year. It's technically not here yet. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we're anticipating that, right? How many of you have dramatic plans to spend the new year staying up till 2 in the morning and doing stuff? Raise your hand. I knew Shar's hand would be the first one up. They're like party animals over there at their house. I don't even know. Anybody else have plans or you just, how many of you plan to be in bed by 10 o'clock and you're banking on that, hoping for it? Yeah, I would love to do that, but I think there's people coming to our house and they tend to frown on you falling asleep when your guests are still there, right? So anyway, it'll be good. Um, on this New Year's Day, I, I kind of delved into the Old Testament a little bit, and I found this passage from the book of Isaiah. Let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 14 and going down through 19. <clears throat> and this is, of course, taken out of a, a larger piece of Isaiah's prophecy to the nation of Judah. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlestick, candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Let me read that again. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I... Uh, <clears throat> I have a complicated relationship with this concept of memory. Um, it, it seems like in my mind, I can remember things that happened so long ago. Like I have memories from my very, very early childhood years. Like I, I can remember things that from the context around the memories and the images that I see had to have happened when I was like a toddler, like two or three years old. And, and one of those memories that's really sharp for me is, is my grandpa down on one knee in front of me washing my feet. I know I've shared that before, probably around foot washing time, um, but it's one of the earliest memories that I have. And I know for a fact that I was a kid because I can see the shoes that I had on that he took off of me in my memory. And I know that those were toddler shoes because I remember my brother Benjamin wearing them after I was older. And I know that I was just a toddler, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. And there are other memories from kindergarten from so long ago that I can remember with meticulous detail, almost annoying detail, to the, to the degree that I get lost in it sometimes, just looking at all the things that are in that memory. And then on the other hand, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Actually, I can because I skipped lunch yesterday. I had a handful of tortilla chips, I think, as I was fixing the house. Um, Eleven hours yesterday putting flooring and closets back together. Woohoo! Buy a house, they said. It'll be fun, they said. I'm tired. That's all I said. 
But, you know, there are days when memories come and go. Like, I can remember one thing, but I can't remember something else. Not too long ago, Tori was recounting to me, hey, do you remember when? And she went into elaborate detail about this thing that we had done and this thing that had happened and these people that were there. And I'm thinking to myself, are you sure I was there? Because I don't remember that ever happening. And she said, yes, you were there. And, you know, she convinced me, I've learned over the years, that if Tori remembers something, even if I don't remember it, it's probably happened. I've also learned that if I remember things differently than she does, that it probably happened the way she remembered it, if I know what's good for me. Right, men? Anybody else have that experience? You know, memory is a fickle thing, and yet memories are so important to us because our, remember, our memories, to some degree at least, define who we become and who we are because what, what our minds choose to remember, I believe, says something about us. And unfortunately, there are a lot of things in my life that I remember that I wish I could forget. And unfortunately, a lot of those things that I can remember that I wish I could forget are things that I did <laughs> that I'm not very proud of. Why is it that those are the memories that hang on? Why can't it have been my first roller coaster ride or something, which I cannot remember because my grandparents started taking us to Cedar Point when I was, I think, in the womb. I don't know. We went there every year with them. Why can't it be all the good memories that stick? Why do some of the bad ones stay as well? Our memories to some degree at least, define who we are. And I have this complicated relationship with memory because even from the time I was younger, I had trouble with memory. My mom was the same way. And she, she told me at one point, I hope you don't get my memory. Because even as a younger lady, she said, I, I just forget details like crazy. We're both very focused and maybe that's it. I don't know. But remembering things is important. And apparently Isaiah or since he's speaking for God, maybe God himself had a complicated relationship with memory as well. Because in this passage, he does a couple of different things. He, he first of all reminds the people of Israel of a couple of things that happen. He, of course, speaking the words that God gave him, reminds them of a couple of things. He reminds them of who God is and some of the things that he has done. Now, remembering is a very important thing at transitional periods in our lives. And, and on a time like New Year's, we tend to start getting nostalgic, at least if you're my age, you do. You start remembering the year that has passed and in the hope that the next year can be better. And they were at a transitional point as well. As, as it said in there, Babylon was threatening. They were scared to death that Babylon was going to come in and take over their country. And so Babylon loomed large. And God is essentially saying to them, listen, I'm going to take care of Babylon. I'm going to throw them away. They're going to sail away in those ships they are so proud of. And he does that by reminding them of a couple of things, who he is, and then one of the things that he did for Israel throughout their history. Um, remembering is a very important thing to do in transitional times. We remember the good to give us hope, and we remember the bad so that we don't repeat it. But he also then goes on to say, forget all of that. Right in the middle of this memory, he says to them, you know what, forget all of that because something else is coming. Sometimes we need to forget too, don't we? It's important for us to remember some things, 
but there's also some things in life that we should forget. Not just that we want to forget, but that we should forget. We should forget how others have wronged us, for instance. We should forgive and forget in that situation. We should forget some of the things that hold us back. We should forget the sins that that we're ashamed of, that God has already forgiven. The Bible says he's forgotten them. He casts them as far away as the east is from the west, and yet they linger in our memories. When he says forget all of that, he's basically, in this case, telling them, listen, those other things are memories, I get it, but listen, compared to what I'm about to do, those are nothing, so just cast them aside, forget about them, because I'm about to do something new. He's telling them to forget, because they got a little too focused on maybe the past, so much so that they couldn't see what God was beginning to do for their future. Sometimes we need to forget in order to prepare ourselves for what is coming. So let's dig a little bit deeper into what he basically reminds them of, what he told them to remember. First of all, he, he again is declaring that he's going to punish Babylon and drive them away. The threat of Babylon was very real to Judah at that time. But God, first and foremost, identifies himself as, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. That pretty much encompasses everything, doesn't it? I am the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, however you want to say it. I am the Lord, the one who created Israel. In other words, Israel wouldn't exist without God's hand. Who was the one who started the nation of Israel? It was Abraham, with a message from God, obeying God's command, and going to a land that God would show him. God was the one who initiated that nation, and because God created Israel, God was the Lord of Israel. And you know what? You know what else God created? It's not what else God created, it's everything else God created. And so you know what that means? That means he's Lord of all of it. Friends, do you get that? If you create it, you own it. God created everything that exists. He owns all of it. He created you, he created me, he created everything that exists. And so he is the creator of all things. And by virtue of his creation, he is then king of all things. What if we kept that in the foremost part of our memory and remembered that God is not only the king of everything, he's the creator of everything and therefore the owner of everything that exists. Man, we would take a different perspective, I think, on our possessions, wouldn't we? Instead of holding on to them like this, I think we would be willing to share them more freely because they don't really belong to us. God owns it all. Now, he lets us manage it, and some of us do that better than others. But God created everything. He says, I am the Lord, your Holy One. I am the creator of Israel. I am your king. We need to remember who God is, the Lord, the Holy One, the creator, not just of Israel, but of all things. He is our king. And if we can remember that God is our Lord, that he is the creator, then I believe not only will our lives be better, but our faith will grow as well because we will build a better relationship with him by virtue of the fact that he is our Lord and our Savior. He also identifies himself as the God who brought them out of Egypt. You know, that conversation in the middle of that text about how he parted the ocean and, and provided a, a way of going through, that's God reminding them, listen, you were slaves in Egypt once. You remember that story? Anybody remember the Charlton Heston version of the Ten Commandments? That's, that they show, what do they show that? Easter time, isn't it? They always show that. It's on for, I don't know, eight, ten hours. Or at least it feels like eight or ten hours. Movies moved a lot slower back then, right? The story is incredible. They were slaves in Egypt, and God hears their cries, 
and sends Moses, whom he has already prepared for the job. And God delivers them from the nation of Egypt. And in the process of crossing the Red Sea, the salvation, the dry land, and and as the seas part, the salvation of Israel being able to go across on dry land becomes the, the punishment for the nation of Egypt as the soldiers try to follow and the waves crash in around them and destroy Pharaoh's army. And he reminds them of that. He said, listen, you're looking at Babylon. I get it. You're staring them in the eye. I get it. You're wondering who's going to blink first. I get it. But do you remember Egypt? Do you remember when you were slaves in Egypt? Do you remember how I delivered you from Egypt? How I went toe-to-toe with Pharaoh and put every god of Egypt to shame through the plagues that I visited on them? Do you remember how I handled that situation? Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Why? Because sometimes pivotal moments in our history are things that we need to sear into our memory so that when we run into difficult times in the future, we will have the courage to face them. What an incredible moment that was. The deliverance from Egypt is the pivotal moment in Judaism where they became, instead of a family, they became a nation. Ask any Jew, they will tell you. They will tell you that is the key, that is the the center point, the pivotal moment in history for them. Listen, we need to remember some pivotal moments in our own faith. Amen? Any of you have a pivotal moment in your faith? I know some of you do because sometimes you share them with me. And let me tell you something. That is the most exciting thing a pastor can hear. Pastor, I had something happen and God told me this and my life changed because of it. And oh my goodness, I'm different today. What a wonderful testimony to hear. It's incredible. And this church has had some pivotal moments, lots of pivotal moments. I I would just challenge you. I was going to tell the story myself, but I'm not going to. I'm going to sick you on Mary. Mary Harakis, the sweet little lady in the back sitting in front of the video camera, trying not to be seen right now, will tell you stories about this church if you ask her. You see, she remembers when this church wasn't here. When they were meeting in a building that barely met code and probably in some ways didn't meet code. I think they were burning things in the middle of the sanctuary to stay warm. I'm not sure. It was just, it was iffy. Let's just say that. But I rem- she, she will tell you the story. I almost said I remember. I don't. <laughs> I wasn't around. She will tell you the story of how they saw this property and how they purchased this property and how half the congregation left because they didn't believe they could pay for this property. And they didn't believe in what God was doing. And she will go on and tell you the story of how they paid this property off in record time and how this church, one piece at a time, got built to what it is today and the way that God moved in that whole process. Right up until Pat Gilbert saw a vision from God about our Fulfilling the Vision campaign where we paid off, to my knowledge, the largest debt this church has ever paid off, especially in one offering. I'm pretty sure that's true. There should be applause now. You guys are really bad at this celebrating thing. You know that? I'm just saying, I'm not going to any of y'all's parties for New Year's because it's going to be boring. I mean, what an amazing thing. And listen, stories like this have happened throughout this church's history. They are pivotal moments that we need to remember so that we do not forget how faithful God was in the past and how faithful he will be in the future, but not just in the church. Listen, each of you have pivotal moments in your individual lives. 
where God did something. I've shared, I share mine with you all the time because I get to stand up here and talk. You've heard about how I sat in a youth convention when I was in like sixth or seventh grade and heard Ben Reed preach and how God changed my life from I want to be a policeman or a fireman to I want to preach the gospel. I want to be God's. I want him to take me and do whatever he wants with me because I heard the call of God in my life. Uh, that was a pivotal moment in my life. I, I, I've told you about times when God has rescued my family family financially. I've told you about times where he healed my kids. I've shared with you those stories. Do you have those stories? Do you? Do you ever recite them? Do you ever remember them? Do you bring them back to memory? Do you tell them to your children? I don't know about you, but I don't want the stories of what God's done in my life to die when I die, and I will die. If I keep using my wife as an illustration, maybe sooner rather than later. I want those stories to continue to be told. I hope you do too. Sometimes we need to remember pivotal moments. And that's what Isaiah writes about. That's what God reminds Israel of. I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. Do you remember Egypt? Most of you don't because that was generations ago. But you've heard the stories. You've heard what I did. Don't ever forget. He brought them out of Egypt, did amazing things for them, and then turns around and says, you know what, forget all that. It almost feels like God is conflicting himself. I want you to remember this. This is what you should, oh, you know what, never mind. I don't think he's really saying that, to be honest. I think he's using kind of a figure of speech because he goes on to say, listen, compared to what I'm about to do, all that stuff doesn't matter. Boy, I'll tell you what. Cross, coming out of Egypt and the plagues and all that, crossing the Red Sea, that's some pretty big stuff to say, you know what, what's coming next is going to top that. That's essentially what he's saying. That's some pretty big shoes to fill, amen? That's huge. And yet God is saying, you know what, I'm about to do something different. I'm about to do something so big that what has gone before is going to pale in comparison. I'm going to do something new. And when God's getting ready to do something new, sometimes you have to forget what he already did or else you'll miss the new thing that he's trying to do. Just like I, I sat here for a moment ago and, and recounted some of those stories and some of your minds started running. Some of you people who are more experienced at life than I am, still struggling with how to say old people, right? because now I'm one of them, and I do take it personally when people say it. Listen, some of you have been around this church way longer than I have, and the moment I started talking about some of those stories, you were like, oh, yes, I remember that. That was so good. Man, the good old days, right? Man, you know, back when I was growing up, everything was less expensive, and everything was made better, and everything was more fun, and the food tastes better, and people were nicer, and, and, and things that were built in America were built to last, not built to expire. Do I sound like a grumpy old man? Listen, we all fondly remember the good old days, don't we? The problem is this. They really weren't all that good. See, I'm still in that in-between place where I still remember some of reality and not just the good old days. I remember the struggles we had back then. I remember cars with window cranks. I don't want to go back. Every time the kids would unroll the back window, I had to stop the car, get out, walk around, and roll that sucker back up. Ain't nobody want to go back to those days. Listen, sometimes we're so focused on how good God was back then that we miss what he's about to do now. 
Friends, listen, I don't want us to miss anything. And I believe, even though this passage wasn't written directly to us, I believe that in every generation, God is essentially saying the same thing. Listen, listen, remember the things I did. I want you to remember my greatness and my power and who I am and the fact that I am the ruler and the king of everything. But listen, don't be so focused on the past that you miss what I'm about to do now because God wants to do even greater things now than he's done in the past. I'm convinced of that. God is not a God who said, yeah, you know, that was really good back then, but I'm kind of tired now, so I'm just going to take the rest of eternity off. That's not what he says. You know what he says? When Jesus came, he talked about the new wineskins. I'm doing something new. Over and over again in the Bible, we hear about this new thing that God wants to do. And even in Isaiah, he's telling the nation of Judah, listen, I'm about to do something new. Do you see it? You can't see it, can you? And the reason is they were too focused on the past to see all the good God wanted to do for their future. Listen, let's not be that church, right? Let's not be that church. Let's not be that people. Let's remember the past fondly, but let's not be so focused on the past and the history and the good old days that we forget that today can be just as good as back then. It's really up to us. You know what made the good old days good? Us, because we were there. I'm willing to be that arrogant, right? The reason that, that I remember things fondly is because I was there to participate with it and I helped make those days good. So you know what that means? That means that today can be just as good as the best day I can remember. It's my choice. And I believe God wants to join us in that and wants to make our future far greater than our past has ever been. Listen, it's dangerous to move forward when you're looking backward. There was a time years ago, and this will kind of date how long ago it was, but Tori and I were camping with our family. Jordy was young, probably two or three, three or four, young enough to run, which for him was a pretty young age because that boy started running at the, at, at, I think, a half, you know, a year. I don't know. He was running from the beginning. Seemed like he came out of the womb with his feet already moving, like going. Um, but anyway, we were camping, and we walked up to the community room of the campground so we could use the pay phone. Remember pay phones? <laughs> yeah. Man, can you imagine if we'd have had to use pay phones during COVID? Nobody would have ever got a phone call again. It would have been all over. But we walked up there to use the pay phone, and as Tori was using the pay phone, I don't remember who we were calling. The kids are just running. They had the tables and chairs set up for various gatherings they hold in there and stuff. And Jordan's just doing laps around the room. Probably Jayla was chasing him because he's just running as fast as he can go, looking behind him. And he turned his head around just in a moment. And I turned and looked and saw it happen. It was one of those (gasps) moments where you're just not fast enough to cross the space to stop it. And he turned around right as he ran smack into the back of a metal folding chair, which was the perfect height for his face. And he, I don't know, he fell down, he cried, he bled, we screamed, we hollered, we wondered if he was going to live, you know, all the stuff that parents do. And he ended up having, we had to go home from the campground to see the dentist because he knocked like two teeth loose, I think. I don't know. Anyway, are they, I think they grew in after that. I don't know. He's not toothless, so I don't know. He does, he has had braces for roughly 10 years, so I don't know. But anyway, you know, and, and the only thing, <laughs> as he's doinking into this chair, this is a pastor's head, right? He doinks into the chair and I'm like, 
You should never move forward if you're looking back. That's a sermon I'm going to preach someday. <laughs> I did not say that out loud because Tori hits hard. And I didn't, um, in the moment, that wouldn't have been the right thing to say. But I remember thinking that. And you know what? It's true. If you're moving forward and you're looking back, you have no idea where you're going. Paul, Paul the Apostle Paul understood that concept. In fact, in Philippians, in the, the letter to Philippi, he writes this in chapter 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Listen, Paul understood that when you're going forward, you need to keep your eyes firmly focused forward on Christ, on what he's doing, on the new thing that God wants to do. The new thing for them was that God was going to bring back prosperity for them. He was going to protect them. He was going to essentially clear a path through the wilderness and bring prosperity. He talks about, you know, rivers in the desert and all that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what that means for us today other than the fact that I, I know there's a lot of times in my life where I need God to clear a path. In fact, I need God to put markers up on the side of the path so I know where it is. Amen? Have you ever gotten halfway down the road that you think God was leading you on only to discover, I took a wrong turn again, doggone it. I need God to clear a path. I want God to bring rivers into the desert. You know, I feel pretty dry these days. I think everybody is still feeling dry, whether it was COVID, whether it's the economy. I don't know what it is, but man, it's just there's a lot of dryness in the church even. I want God to bring that spiritual a river flooding through this place so that he can just fuel us and, and encourage us and lift us up so that this year will be better than all that has gone before. And that's what I want to close with today. As you enter into this new year, I want to encourage you to remember who God is. I don't want you to forget that. I want you to remember him and remember what he's done. But I also want you to be willing to look at the past year, look at your past, maybe your whole past, and be willing to look at those things that maybe you need to forget, you need to let go of, you need to give over to him or, or simply walk away from so that you can go forward instead of looking back. And maybe some of you are, are dealing with that, that conundrum. How do I go forward when I'm still worried about this? How do I move forward in this relationship when I'm still holding this against that person? How do I deal with this financial crisis when I've still got this weight back here, this concern from a, a time when things were scarcer bogging me down? I don't know what it is in your life. But I want to give you the opportunity this morning to think about that. And we're going to close with some more worship just for a moment. Not, we're not going to tarry long. But I've put a couple of tables here. I'm sure most of you have noticed and wondered what they were or just simply said, yeah, it's that crazy pastor doing stuff again. There's pens and paper on the table. And one of my favorite things about youth camp was that campfire night. You remember the campfire night at youth camp where they'd always have you write some deadly sin that you've committed on a piece of paper and, and then wad it up and throw it in the fire so it could combust. Anybody remember that? That was my favorite part of youth camp. Maybe none of you did that. Well, we're going to do that this morning. Unfortunately, the fire marshal <laughs> forbids fires right here in the front. So I've got the next best thing. <clears throat> You're going to love this. Oh, if the finance team is looking for their shredder, I have it. <laughs> okay. 
There it is. Cross-cut shredder. Bought within the last year. If you write it on the paper, you put it through this sucker, ain't nobody reading it. Mary makes sure of that, right? So here's what I want you to do. As we close with worship, I'll invite the worship team to come now as, uh, and get ready. And as they come, and as we worship, and as we sing, I want to invite you, if you feel led or if you want to, to come and take a pad of paper, take a piece off of it, or take the whole pad to the altar if you want to. Stand right there and write on it, but I want you to write one of two things if you feel led. Write something that you want to get rid of this year, some, some baggage you need to drop, some sin that you need to forget, some relationship problem that, that, that is not your problem, you've done everything you can, and you need to walk away from it. Whatever it might be, put it on that piece of paper, and if you're wanting to say goodbye to it, I want you to just walk by here, drop it in the shredder, and watch it go. By the same token, if while you're here or, or you know, if you don't think of anything that, that you need to drop, if you can think of a pivotal moment in your life that you want to make sure you remember this year, come forward, write that on a piece of paper, fold that sucker up, stick it in your pocket, and put it someplace where you're going to discover it in July, six months from now, so that you can pull it out and look at it and remind yourself of what God has done. So as we worship, I want you to consider that prayerfully. And uh, we're going to sing. The rest of you, or everybody, stand with us as we do this. And if you feel led to come, come. If you don't, that's okay. But if you feel led to come and participate, feel free to do that. Let me pray with us before we start and and just kind of ask God to speak. Father, we know that you are God. Creator of all things that you made us and you know us better than anybody could. I ask right now that, God, you would speak to those who are hearing my voice, whether they're here in this room or whether they're listening online, and just show them if there's anything in their life that is holding them back, that they're, that they're trying to look back at as we move forward, either in their personal life, maybe it relates to the church, maybe it relates to finance, whatever it might be. Show them that thing so that they can get rid of it this morning. And by the same token, remind them of pivotal moments that have meant a great deal, that can encourage them going forward, that they haven't faced these problems, that they face these problems that they're facing now before and that you have brought them through. God, help us to remember the things that we should remember so that we can grow in our faith and our trust of you. In Jesus' name, amen.